What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from ST Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smart start for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Welcome to the all-new True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. With your host, Larry Lease. Join us every week this season as we dive into the life and crimes of serial killers. From the butcher baker, Robert Hansen, to the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease. And today we're discussing the life and crimes of Rodney Alcala, also known as the dating game killer. Just a warning, the following episode will cover details that may not be suitable for children. A good-looking young man who is selected as the bachelor number one of the dating game, a blind date contest with which he could easily sway a woman for his good looks and smart brains. He was a heartthrob in the 70s and had a lot of girls fall for him. Only later was it known, all the while during his days being a contest winner, and a typesetter for the L.A. Times, he had the blood of many girls on his hands. He was a serial killer, Rodney Alcala. Alcala was born in San Antonio, Texas on August 23, 1943. He moved to Mexico with his family when he was around 8 years old, and his father abandoned the family while they were in Mexico. This made Alcala, his siblings, and mother relocate to Los Angeles. In 1960, at the age of 17, he joined the Army where he served as a clerk. Only a little did his service in the Army work out. By 1964, after what was described as a nervous breakdown, he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder by a military psychiatrist and discharged on medical grounds. He claims to have a genius-level IQ, which he then attended California State University and later transferred to UCLA. He graduated with a fine arts degree in 1968. After fleeing California that year, Alcala used his John Berger alias to enroll in NYU, where he took a class with Roman Polanski. 1968 was the year which started Alcala's life of being a serial killer. It was a motorist in L.A. who witnessed him luring an 8-year-old girl named Tally Shapiro into his Hollywood apartment and called police. The girl was found in the apartment, raped and beaten with a steel bar. It was not time for Alcala to be behind bars, and so he escaped. He fled to the East Coast and enrolled in the NYU Film School using the name John Berger. If you enjoy the true crime stories featured on this podcast, please consider supporting us by buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash TCNS. Your support helps us grow the show. Thank you for being a listener and supporter of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast.
During the summer months, he also obtained a counseling job at a New Hampshire arts camp for children using a slightly different alias, John Berger. In 1971, he was included on the FBI's Most Wanted list. Some girls at an arts camp in New Hampshire recognized a counselor who was using the name John Berger Berger, from this list. They told the camp's dean and Alcala was soon arrested, though he was able to plead to the lesser charge of child molestation and served just 34 months. Less than two months later, Alcala was arrested for violating, violating parole and providing marijuana to a 13-year-old girl who claimed she had been kidnapped. Once again, he was paroled after serving two years of, of an interdeterminate sentence. In 1977, the most absurd thing happened. Despite, despite his criminal record and official registration as a sex offender, he was hired as a typesetter by the LA Times. All in the midst of their coverage of the Hillside Strangler murders. During this period, Alcala also convinced dozens of young women that he was a professional fashion photographer and photographed them for his portfolio. Most of those photos remain unidentified, and police fear that some of the women may be additional victims. His past conviction for sexual assault prompted California police to interview Alcala in 1978 as a potential suspect in the Hillside Strangler killings. Another set of serial murders that occurred in California in the 1970s. Alcala was actually cleared of those crimes, and police did not realize they had actually spoken with a different serial killer. In September 1978, he appeared as Bachelor Number 1 on The Dating Game, a TV show that had men and women cheekily interview prospective dates sight unseen. At the time, he was a convicted child molester, but the show did not run a background check. How things worked out for him to continue being a serial killer is what confuses us while learning about his history. Alcala was a tall and good-looking man who often told women he was a fashion photographer who wanted to take photos for a contest. His intelligence and charm could make him persuasive. It has been testified that he was so easy to trust, and he had a way of talking to people that really put them at ease. But then things started to get worse. In the 1970s, Alcala killed Cornelia Creeley, 23, an air hostess. She was raped and strangled with her own nylon stockings and stuffed it down her throat in her apartment in June 1971. In 1977, now back on the streets of New York, Alcala murdered 23-year-old musician and artist Ellen Hover. Hover disappeared on July 15, 1977, leaving behind a calendar that stated she was meeting with John Berger. Her body was not found for almost a year, but the disappearance was front-page news. Alcala pleaded guilty to these murders in 2012. He received a sentence of 25 to life, though it will only be served if California releases him from custody. Now, meanwhile, Alcala was arrested in July 1979 for the abduction and murder of 12-year-old Robin Samso of Huntington Beach, California. He was convicted on these charges in 1980. Four years later, this conviction was overturned as the jury had in properly been told about Alcala's criminal record. Another trial in 1986 resulted in a second guilty verdict, but in, two, but in 2001 this was also overturned on a technicality. While in custody, Alcala wrote the book, You the Jury, in which he argued he was innocent. While preparing their third prosecution in 2003, Orange County investigators learned that Alcala's DNA 
sampled under new state law, which was over his objections, matched semen left at the rape murder scenes of two women in L.A. Another pair of earrings found in Alcala's storage locker matched the DNA of one of the two victims. At his next trial, which took place in 2010, Alcala was again charged with killing Samso that had been found in his Seattle storage locker. Part of the case against him was a pair of gold earrings linked to Samso that had been found in his Seattle storage locker. Alcala played clips from the dating game that he said proved he was already wearing gold earrings in 1978, but these didn't convince the jury. In addition to all these charges, he faced... He faced charges for assaulting and strangling four women in California in the late 70s. All of these happened after his appearance in the dating game, in which he got an appearance when he was too down with murder. The, late, the later murders were 18-year-old Jill Parkham, who was killed in November 1977, 27-year-old George, Georgia Wickstead, 27, who was raped, beaten, and strangled in December 1978, 32-year-old Charlotte Lamb, who was killed in June 1978, and 21-year-old Jill Paranto, who was killed in June 1979. Alcala opted to represent himself during the court proceedings. In, in February 2010, he was found guilty of all five murders. He was sentenced to death in t- March 2010. And in 2016, Alcala was charged with the 1977 killing of Christine Ruth Thornton in Wyoming though prosecutors opted not to extradite him to stand trial. By then, the authorities believed he killed Pamela Lamston in the San Francisco Bay Area in the fall of 1977. However, DNA collected at that crime scene was too degraded to test, so he was not charged with the crime. Quite surprisingly, and miraculously, not all of Alcala's victims were murdered. Some victims survived his attacks. In 1968, a witness spotted Alcala driving off with Shapiro. Being concerned about it, he followed them to an apartment and called the police. The responding officer discovered Shapiro, who'd been raped and beaten with a steel bar but was still alive. And also in February 1979, Monique Hoyt, then 15, managed to escape after Alcala raped her. The final game began. Following the disappearance of Samso, a sketch of a suspect was issued. Alcala's parole officer saw it and recognized it. Police tracked down Alcala, who was arrested on July 24, 1979. Following Alcala's arrest in July 1979, police found hundreds of his photographs in a Seattle storage locker. These images, some of which were explicit, may include other victims. In 2010, police shared many of these photos with the public in the hopes of identifying those in the pictures. Some people were alive and came forward. The photos aided in identifying Christine Thornton as one of Alcala's victims. Dear listeners, if something is to haunt us as we reach the conclusion of this episode, it should be the death toll of Alcala's. Alcala's exact death toll is unknown, but some authorities believe he murdered around 50 people. Others think he may have taken as many as 130 lives. If an individual got a chance to take 130 lives in 10 years, the working of his brain makes us astonished. He not only kept on murdering, but at the same time he was arrested several times, held a job at the LA Times, was a contestant on the dating game, and did his graduation. He was a man who did many things, out of which the most stood out was his murdering. 
Well, as we all understood and agree, the world has mysterious ways of working, which is not always rational for common human brains. Let us keep on hoping good for the world and people may have a peaceful life. Thank you for listening to another episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Share your thoughts on this episode by tweeting us at True Crime NS. That's True Crime NS. Follow us on uh, Facebook or like us on Facebook. Just search True Crime Never Sleeps. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Follow us on Twitter at True Crime NS. Like us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps. Tune in next week for an all-new episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.